0: It was the best of times, it was the blest of times. I just need to blog, blogging's my oxygen.
1: It's my career!
0: Uh, it's that time of year again, Shannon. What time of year is that? The time of year that The Crown is on Netflix. And and really, this is the bit that they've been gearing up to the whole time. Because it's like the entry of the young queen. No one really cares about that because it's in the past and no one cares about history.
1: That's well documented.
0: Like with the hot queen. No one wants to see the hot queen.
1: Yeah, no one cares about history.
0: No one cares about... Exactly. why well, I don't want... It's like... Old oh, smog, old oh, Churchill. I don't give a shit. <laughs> now we're ticking forward to the present day, and with being as vague as possible, people are people are getting to the true crime part of the of the royal family, and I think they're going to watch the next season with this sort of gleeful weirdness about the topic, which I will not mention, but you all know what I'm talking about.
1: Yes, this that seems true. I say, having never seen an episode of the Crown. <laughs> yeah,
0: but you've seen an episode of Britain. Yes. and this episode of Britain happened when we were when we were kiddies. I did see that episode of Britain. It was a wild, it was a really wild episode of Britain, and one that I still feel like we're in. And I don't think the Crown should do it because it's it's. I think it's a bit dodgy. What do you think the next season of the Crown should be? God, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I am glad you asked. I think instead of doing what they will definitely do which they shouldn't do because I don't think it's a good idea because it's true crime next season they should skip that and go directly to the future like just and then keep doing the crown but each time they do a new season it's a more radical time jump (laughs) so like the next one could be like 2050. Like tech's a bit unusual. Like we can sort of speculate. Then it jumps another fifty. So like, end of the next century, and then you just jump, 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 jump,
2: mm-hmm, and like
0: mm-hmm. you can keep, you can keep Olivia Coleman because the Queen might get, may well in real life get her brain uploaded onto the cloud and voiced by Olivia
1: Coleman. Yeah, yeah. The the, and the it's just like a brain in a jar that's like flashing different color lights as Olivia Colman does the voiceover. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> each... got a little crown on top of the tank. Yeah, uh, <laughs> each robot brain tank
0: is the the the, the, the season has him like meeting with the new prime minister.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's like Zibzorb,
0: Ah, the... oh, prime minister Zibzorb! <laughs> <laughs> Still dealing with the repercussions of Brexit, I see. Yes, it's, it's been five centuries, but I feel like they're starting to economically recover.
1: <laughs> it's like the, the frozen heads in Futurama. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's not the head, it's just the brain with a tiara. <laughs> <Yeah>. And... <laughs> Because it's called The Crown, so you've got to have a, a crown in it. Yeah. I assume that that's what the show's about. In every scene, there has to be a crown, and if you don't see it, it's because you're not looking hard enough.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like how there's always a black mirror in Black Mirror.
1: Exactly. Or how in The Haunting of Hill House, there's all those ghosts. Yeah. And really, Netflix is just adapting increasingly elaborate versions of Where's Waldo? But it has the same tone as The Crown. Yeah. It's very reserved
0: so i like... like- <laughs> You know, good string music. Yeah, you get long close-ups at the brain tank's face <laughs> as she tries to make a decision: does she act with her heart or does she follow uh, the life of servitude that she's been destined for? Act? And this
1: is all done through <laughs> bubbles in the brain yeah. tank. Yeah,
0: and then you've got brain, brain Prince Philip, and he's like, "We should colonize all these planets." And people are like, "No, no, not again! No, no, Philip, this is this time around, we shouldn't
1: do that." They've just shoved him in a cupboard somewhere. <laughs> you can sometimes hear him and see the light flashing under the crack in the door. No space empires.
0: He's <laughs> gonna float around in our flying Buckingham Palace. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then Crown twenty fifty the main the main plot of that initial uh, Time jump to a couple of years in the future is them trying to retrofit Buckingham Palace with some rockets on the bottom. Yeah, and then we skip a century and it's already it's out in space. We've pressurized it. It's got rockets on the bottom. Yeah, the brain tank is there. Prince Philip in his brain tank is in the cupboard. (laughs) There's a bunch of little corgi brain tanks just zooming around like (laughs) Roombas. And there's people
0: out there in the galaxy who still, like, a massive royal family fans who collect, like, porcelain plates and little teacups and stuff with, like, lots of florals and pictures of the brain tank. And people celebrate when the bra- when the queen first got tanked.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's like,
0: the queen's got two birthdays, right? She's got her birthday. She's got her queen birthday. I don't know how that works. Is that her coronation? Don't ask I don't, me. I have no idea. And then you've got her brain tank birthday. Yeah. And that's a new bank holiday.
1: Lots of times for for commemorative plates, and I think it would become like really popular amongst aliens, like mm. green four armed aliens who have all of these like commemorative plates because it's like an oddity <laughs> and a fun thing to collect. Yeah, they just trade them like Pokemon cards. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and millions of aliens tune into uh, the the Brain Tank Royal weddings. Yeah. Because I guess, I guess. Now here's the thing: are, are the royal family still procreating? Are they still being humans until they get to a certain age and then being brain tanked? Yes. Or do I... they just all choose to do it at once? And also, why in this future? Why not have robot Harry and Meghan? <laughs> that would be so great. They'd thrive as robots. I, I think. S-
1: I support them.
0: That I yeah. They're my favorite too. Yeah. I don't like. Any of the royals. No. I'm relieved for them. Yeah. yeah for yeah. g G-ing TFO.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> of the UFO. Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> See, the crown's got to stop before it gets to the present, because then they're, like, directly fucking with...
1: With people's they're, lives. Yeah. They're already
0: in dicey territory. They're super in dicey territory, even where they are right now. And we all knew they were going, but how far will they go? Are they stopping at the end of the next one? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good idea.
1: I don't understand why they haven't gone speculative already. And it's it's still the crown, but it's now got a subtitle and it's just in space. The crown in space. Yeah. yeah. Space crown. Space crown. And the ship has got a little crown on it?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ship has now, there's like a sort of now an outer surface around Buckingham Palace, but there's still fully Buckingham Palace mm-hmm. inside of it. And uh, there's still the changing of the guards. <laughs> All the, what are they called? The, the guards with the, the fluffy black hats. You know, yeah, the ones. Yeah. I don't know what they're called. I used to remember. I used to know. And in fact, I had a friend whose dad used to be one of those. Oh. You can't make an expression when yeah. the tourists are like, hey, it's one of those queen guard guys. Let's try and make him laugh. You're not allowed to do it if you're, yeah. you can't laugh. Else, uh, else you get fired into space. Anyway, they end up having lasers installed into their fuzzy black helmets to
1: vaporize anyone who tries to fuck with them.
0: They're like human cannons. Mm. It's quite dark. It's like what lengths to what lengths will the queen tank brain crown go? To protect the tank crown. What more to the point? What do coins look like? (laughs) Like, do we still have the queen's? You know how like if you line up coins from like appeared like over time. Yeah. You can watch the queen age.
1: Mhm. Are we going to get is she going to have like an annual sort of profile of her brain? What's happening is that in the future the coins are all holograms and the hologram is updated live. Yes. So every time you make a transaction it shows you the little hologram coins and a little number above like a ticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the vision the image on the coin It'll just snap a photo of the brain tank in that moment. Yeah. We have the technology. Exactly, just as a scan. So she's constantly getting these little tingles when people are using coins. Yeah, I'm being silly.
0: People aren't using coins these days. Mm -hmm. Coronavirus is killing killing coins. Mm -hmm. So
1: we're going to be very close to... To to hologram brain tank photos. It's a slippery slope. And that's what we learn in the Netflix series Black Mirror. Yeah, because Crown
0: The Crown in Space is written, directed, and produced by Charlie Brooker.
1: Yeah, and then it just bleeds into the next season of Black Mirror. And it's <laughs> called Black Mirror the Crown in Space. It's a clunky title, but it works. Black Mirror the Crown in Space, the <laughs> Netflix
0: interactive special. You get to be You get to be Prince Charles' brain in the jar and make decisions. You only survive if you make the worst decision each time how easy is it for a brain to commit adultery <laughs> All right, he's a little, he's a skeezy little bastard yeah. as you find out in crowd in space Netflix interactive extravaganza yeah. adultery special
1: <laughs> and at the end Charlie Brooker just walks onto screen in the black void and just says makes you think black mirror and then the credits are all <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: it's great to speculate on history
1: it is and it's great to talk about a show that neither of us watched <laughs> um
0: listeners you might be thinking is this a coastal blast episode about the crowd? <laughs> kind of it kind of is. <laughs> It's about the Christmas crown. (laughs) The Christmas crown in space. (laughs) The Christmas crown tech baby. (laughs) Part of the Netflix Christmas multiverse. Yeah. Actually, like, half of what I just said is true.
1: Yeah, like, some of it is. (laughs) I don't know about half. We watched all three of the Netflix drama A Christmas Prince.
0: This is the Netflix answer to Hallmark Christmas movies. And boy,
1: are they a treat. It's my second time watching the trilogy. This is my first time. Um and I did make it. I survived. <laughs> because we're done with Halloween, so it's my time to subject you to things. Exactly. It's only fair. Um and as everyone knows, right after Halloween with absolutely no breaks is Christmas season <laughs> according to the stars. Yeah.
0: Well, that's how it goes in A Nightmare Before Christmas, right? That's true. There's no interim time. You just
1: go from one You just go from Halloween. holiday door to the next. You know, it is true that in that movie, it is Halloween at the beginning. Because they sing, this is Halloween, and then they're like, great Halloween, everyone. Now it's 364 days till the next Halloween. So what do they
0: do with the rest of their time?
1: And then, in the movie, something like three days pass, and then it's Christmas.
0: Maybe time works different in the... Holiday multiverse. Mm, The holiday multiverse. It's
1: possible.
0: Uh, It's constantly Christmas in Aldovia.
1: (laughs) Aldovia doesn't function outside of Christmas. They're only winter holiday, (laughs) even though there are many.
0: (laughs) So, like, when you're explaining the Christmas Prince, it sounds incredibly pedestrian. (laughs) But actually, it opens a whole world of
1: questions and implications. Yeah. And joys. So, A Christmas Prince, the originator, is about a woman called Amber. She's American. She's an investigative journalist. (laughs) She works for a tabloid, but refers to herself as an investigative journalist. (laughs) And it's very clear she works for a
0: tabloid. She's been sent to the kingdom of Aldovia, which is... In Eastern Europe, where all of the other fake kingdoms are, to investigate the, uh, the playboy prince, Richard, mm-hmm. who must get married before Christmas, else his heir status will end...
1: I don't think he has to get married. I think he's gonna be coronated king on. Oh Christmas. yeah, you're right. Um, but he doesn't want to be king. No, you're he's... thinking the Princess Diaries where she has to get married. Yeah, 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 yeah. A superior film in every way. Well. <laughs> Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. So <laughs> <laughs> Star- <laughs> starring Anne Hathaway and Chris Pine. I don't know what is there to complain about. <laughs> Um, Amber
0: is shipped off to Aldovia where a press press, what are they called? Press function? Press? Press junket. Press junket. uh, It's revealed the prince is not there after all. Mm -hmm. So she starts sneaking around the castle and this is like in the first five minutes of the movie pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Like lies to the head of staff about being the new hired mentor mistress, homeschool teacher of the Princess Emily.
1: Yeah, so Emily's like eleven or twelve. Yeah. And yeah, so the one of the the I think the head of the household staff. Miss run- Avril.
0: Yeah. Run, the true villain of this piece.
1: Runs into Amber sneakily taking photos in the hall. This is minutes after they've gotten rid of a bunch of paparazzi. Oh, yeah and by the way, she's
0: using her iPhone camera with the sound on, which is the least sneaky thing to do. I think I could be, I'm going to try and make the sound.
1: So she's making that noise repeatedly while taking, like, close-up photos of suits of armor, which, like, that's the scoop you want in your tabloid. (laughs) Did Um, you know there's armor in this palace? And the head of household staff having just chased a bunch of reporters off property finds a stranger taking photos in their entranceway, and is like, you must be the new American tutor for Princess Emily. You're here a full week early. Yeah. And she's like, yes, I am the new American tutor for Princess Emily. They didn't, like, they just let me in, and I just made my own way through this castle. To take up photos while wearing this press pass around my neck, and then shoving it under my scarf incredibly obviously.
0: So she takes to, um, to to tutoring Emily almost instantly, and almost instantly Emily finds out that she's a fake. Yeah. But Emily doesn't have any friends because she's a poor, lonely princess. Yeah. So covers for her. And I'm just going to get us out of the way first
1: of all. This first movie is the worst one of the three. <laughs> it is almost completely devoid of incident.
0: Yeah, because nothing much happens apart from that she, uh, meets and builds a rapport with the prince. With Prince Richard?
1: Prince Richard. I watched three of these movies and I repeatedly (laughs) forgot his name. Prince Richard has no personality. He's styled off of
0: Prince William, which is a shame because he too has no personality.
1: (laughs) Having a personality when you're a royal is illegal. It is.
0: Yeah, if you have a bit of personality, you you just get like shafted
1: into as we know from the crown in space. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, she develops somehow against all odds develops a rapport with the Blank slate of cardboard that is Prince <laughs> Richard. What do you mean he saves her from wolves? <laughs> he saves her from the ambient noise of wolves playing in
0: the background. Yeah. <laughs> no, we didn't. We don't see any wolves. We might see the silhouette of one husky, like fifty <laughs> <Yeah>. meters away. <laughs> yeah, this is a sort of like using the bee situation where there's
1: like just fucking wolves everywhere.
0: She goes out into the woods. And which, as we know in Europe, is where the wolves are. That
1: is where the wolves are. That's why I can't go outside of Edinburgh. Not well, just scads well, of wolves. Once he
0: saved her from the wolves, they go to the hunting lodge and he shows her. I don't know, even know. Basically, she goes snooping and she finds hidden deep, deep, deep in some desk somewhere.
1: It's a secret drawer. A secret
0: drawer with some poetry which contains a riddle the
1: poetry is on the desk okay. and the poem on the is in richard the journal of richard's late father and it's a poem that is a cryptic clue but then amber goes jostling around and she opens a secret drawer of the desk and finds richard's legal adoption papers that they <laughs> just kept lying around yeah never once in this whole royal
0: family's existence had they thought, let's let's make him l- make our adopted legal son legally able to become the king.
1: Yeah, they and they didn't think to do that. There's
0: no evidence that they were imminently going to do that. Like, the dad may have been hinting towards it, but before the dad died him and the prince had had a fight, so maybe he chose not to do it.
1: And Richard is, is in his, at the youngest in his late 20s, probably in his early 30s. Yeah. He had lots of chance to be legitimized as heir to the throne. Yeah, I guess it was not legitimized if you're because that's for for I don't know how royals work. No, but they do I. they didn't have a chance to change the law. But they had a full like thirty years yeah, to they, get around to this. <laughs> they had time to
0: work on it. Um, so Amber takes photos of it. she collects evidence. She has the papers actually. She brings it back to her room in the palace. I don't think she intends to act on them because now she's developing feel. So now we get to my favorite character in this whole series, (laughs) Simon, who's done nothing wrong. I'm just going to straight up say, I know, I know we've got form on this podcast for sympathizing with the villain. But I'm going to make a convincing argument as to why Simon did nothing wrong.
1: Simon is Richard's cousin. Yes. and The
0: second in line to the throne.
1: Yes, after Richard. Yes. And he wants to be king. Richard does not want to be king. That's his only personality trait, is that he doesn't want to be king. Also, I
0: don't think Simon wants to be king. Simon's dating this woman, who I can't remember her name as Posh and and she's just sort of like
1: guiding Simon's steps. She wants to be queen. She used to date Richard. Yeah. And he broke up with her when she sold some story about him to the tabloids. Yes. And so this woman breaks
0: into Amber's room and finds the truth about the adoptive status of Richard. Mhm. And then as he at the coronation itself, she is like, "I object to this coronation. He is actually adopted." And Simon is the next king. And this woman's a journalist. (laughs) And she crescendos to that. Like, I feel like if you're going to do a bunch of reveals, you start with this woman's a journalist. Yeah. And you're not the legitimate king. No, she's like, you're not the the legitimate king. And this woman is not actually a teacher.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then Simon... Steps up to become king, and...
0: Which is legally correct in this situation.
1: Yeah. But Amber remembers the poem in the journal, and realizes that, in fact, there is something secret hidden in a Christmas ornament in the shape of an acorn, yep. a, the biggest acorn anyone's ever seen. Yes, yeah, so that everyone's strength- this, longingly as
0: foreshadowing earlier in the it's movie. It's the
1: size of a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and they open it, like they unscrew the top and inside are is <laughs> a crumpled up royal decree making Richard the legitimate heir to the throne because the king decided to hide it in a Christmas ornament and write a poem about it that no one may ever find and leave it in his hunting lodge. Yeah. Instead of just telling the population he had an adopted son who was also now going to be king when he died at any point in the last 30 years. So
0: now the rest of the royal family all teams up as Simon's getting crowned and is like, through this very convoluted series of events, we have official proof that the king wanted... Richard to be the king, and it's like I don't think that's proof. I'm sorry, I don't think a poem and an acorn is proof.
1: <laughs> Why didn't he pass it into law ever while he was alive? Also, who
0: is technically in charge while um, between this in this pit is it the queen? Is she in charge? In case, Why in that year of mourning did she not say that Richard should be the king?
1: Did the king not talk to her about that? She definitely knows Richard is adopted, yeah, so yeah, she's the one who didn't give birth to him. yeah <laughs> and then had a son through other means. she had a daughter through other means. No, she had a daughter through her own yeah, oh, yeah, she adopted Richard, and her then own Emily parts. Emily is their, um biologically their daughter, yeah. And they don't really explain that, other than the queen says she was a miracle, but also she's not the legitimate heir either because she's a girl, and they never address that again.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's not changed, even though a bunch of laws throughout this entire se- series are just retconned. Yeah. They don't retcon that one. Yeah. And, 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 okay, so then Richard does become the king, and, uh, long story short, Amber's returned in shame to New York, but he comes and immediately uh, proposes to her on New Year's Eve, which is wild. But 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 but, but, but 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 Simon. But Simon didn't do anything wrong. Like Simon wants to be the king, which Richard did not. Simon has studied economics very hard, and he's always thinking about economics.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not like that should matter for a king. But it's the gonna come up. That, it will come up. <laughs> Like, maybe Simon's got a better chance of, like, trying to be the president or the prime minister of this country, but as Aldovia is ruled, he could be the king and would be better qualified, in my humble opinion.
1: And, and yeah, Richard's only personality trait is that he doesn't want to be the king, and then suddenly (laughs) the person who does want to be the king is the bad guy? Yeah. And, uh, and, and
0: also, not to be, I'm not, like, completely gonna dunk on Richard here, because he is fully a victim here. He gets catfished, kind of. By a by, yeah, he a, does he by get... a tabloid journalist. Exactly. So like he's fully and his whole thing is is oh, I don't like being in the public eye. I'm constantly exploited by journalists. And she's like, oh no, that sucks while like writing like a scoop piece on him. Yeah. And and then he's not angry with her.
1: Like he's not angry with her. No. And that never to comes to anything.
0: I don't know what the time scales, I don't know how long she's been at the palace, but it's already Christmas decor in both New York and Aldovia when she's originally sent there. So let's say mid-November at the earliest.
1: Yeah, and then the, the coronation is on Christmas. Which I makes him it, a Christmas prince. I think she's there mid-December, because she's there a week, is it two weeks before the American tutor is set to arrive at like New Year's? Yeah. So she's really only there like two weeks ahead of Christmas,
0: and then exploits this man, like poaches on his deepest insecurities, and then he proposes to her and like he's such a such a dumbass. <laughs> okay, maybe I am dunking on Richard, but like you don't do that. It- <laughs>
1: Richard's motivations remain unclear. <laughs> they never and, get clearer.
0: Sadly, this is this movie is the most we see of Richard the Christmas Prince. <laughs> the titular Christmas Prince in the Christmas Prince series, The Christmas Prince 1 through 3. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Especially since from this movie onward, he is the Christmas King. Exactly. No prince about it. He's already been uh, crowned king.
0: So, okay... First movie. That's just to get the characters established out the way. There's also some fun side characters like Amber's friends, who a generic woman and a generic stereotypical gay man. But a generic woman. She's just like there's nothing about her. She's just a a friend who's a who's who's
1: a woman. And then there's a friend who is a gay man, and he has nothing about him. Yeah. There. There are. They also work at. Is it a magazine or a newspaper? I think it's a magazine it, they all work yeah,
0: at. Yeah, th- I think they all think it's something better than what it is, but it's not. It's like some shitty scoop piece.
1: Yeah, it's like a tabloid of yeah. some kind that they all work at. Yeah, neither of them really get any sort of plot at all. In until the- eventually the the friend, um, she she gets together with Simon oh, in later movies. Oh, yes. What a um, dream.
0: And, um... And... The- the gay friend gets... Okay, so the second movie is all about preparing for the wedding. Yes. So Amber is now getting used to royal life, but she's also, like, balancing her journalistic uh, tendencies in the form of her shitty blog. Like, <laughs> she's
2: got, like, a lifestyle
0: never... <laughs> blog. And it's also just, like, posted on a really ugly website. Like, has she, never, has she never listened to a podcast? Has she never, like, had some, like... Washed up comedian tell her to download Squarespace or Wix?
1: (laughs) Clearly not. Um, And she gets extremely um, defensive about her blog. And I get wanting to like keep your career, but she was like a tabloid journalist and now runs a lifestyle blog, sort of. About being the... Event about becoming the queen of Aldovia. <laughs> and people are getting a bit touchy about it. Like, okay, are you sure you want to be doing this? Like, this is a bit of a PR nightmare for you to just be having, like, yeah. a, well, a blog about being the queen. Particularly because she often blogs about children's events without asking for consent from their parents. Yeah. And this household staff is like, maybe please stop this. And she's like, it's my career. <laughs> Okay, but you're not an investigative journalist. (laughs) Yeah. You're writing a blog about your life. She keeps on getting, trying to get Richard to stand up for her and he doesn't do it.
0: And she's like, it's me or the blog, Richard. It's me or the blog. (laughs) This is, this is me. This is me. There's two things you need to know about me, Amber. One, I like converses. (laughs) That makes me quirky and nice. Two, I just need to blog. Blogging is my oxygen. (laughs) And and they're also controlling her wedding. They're making her wear a fancy dress and have fancy cake. <laughs> this royal wedding that she's having, inconveniently for her.
1: Yeah. Oh, poor me. I'm becoming a queen. Yeah, I'm becoming the queen of a country.
0: Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want that for myself. I don't want to do that. Like, I, I think that sounds like a really, hot, like, bad option for my life. I'm not going to... Ro- flash everyone. I'm not going to marry into a royal family. No, I don't neither. want it. But, like
1: she had to expect this yeah it does it's, I think in the second movie it especially comes across as I don't know I don't like to say this but it does come across as whining when every other scene in the second movie is the people of Aldovia are deeply suffering a massive economic crisis right
0: yeah This is a, this is this movie has two wolves inside of it <laughs> The, the two wolves that live in the forest of Aldovia. Yeah. Uh,
1: and they're both huskies.
0: <laughs> one wolf is blogging and isn't it unfair yeah. that I can't blog anymore. Yeah, and The second wolf is there's a deep, deep financial recession in this small mysterious European country. We don't quite know where it is. But it's financially controlled by by the royal family. They make all the policies. They make lots of they've been doing a lot of development projects. They've got say that royal families should not
2: have.
1: <laughs> yeah, they have set up this this sort of work project revitalization sort of thing where they're pouring a bunch of money to contractors of some kind. Yeah. They're a bit vague about it, but this is what they're doing. And people are still losing money and there's lots of protests. Intercut with scenes of Amber being salty about people criticizing her blog. Um,
0: <laughs> there are some heavy scenes in this. There's a scene where they're um, doing like a press conference about the royal fam- the wedding, mm-hmm. and then people are there with like protest lines being like, "Oh, we're suffering." You don't care for the people of Aldovia. They all sound all the people who live in Aldovia who aren't the royals sound like Cockneys, <laughs> and all the royals have crisp. British
1: accents, because that's just how it is in Aldovia. Which does bring us to the question of, where is Aldovia? And I don't think you and I are qualified to talk on this. No. Um, So we have outsourced this opinion. Let's introduce our good friend Kiri, uh, who is a historian, not of Aldovia. to talk to us about this Christmas country? And she'll also be talking about the place of
0: Aldovia in the Netflix Christmas multiverse and specifically talking about the kingdom of Panglia which we'll be revisiting later in this episode in the masterpiece movie A Christmas Prince 3.
2: Hello and thank you very much for having me today. I'm very excited to talk really briefly um, about the geopolitical and religious landscape of the Kingdom of Aldovia. Now, when we're talking about the Kingdom of Aldovia, we have to think about where it is geographically. And according to a modern map in our universe, the Kingdom of Aldovia would cover the areas of roughly Slovakia, Hungary, Croatia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Serbia, Montenegro, Macedonia, Bulgaria, Romania and Moldova. So it is very large. And the Kingdom of Penglia was also mentioned in The Christmas Prince 3. And Penglia would cover parts of what is now Russia, Georgia, and Azerbaijan. So the uh, Kingdom of Aldovia is ruled by a monarchy, but they do have a parliament um, as seen in The Christmas Prince 1. And the family name of the Aldovian monarchy is Charlton now Charlton is originally a British name first appeared in the British peerage in 1615 and we know that the Aldovian ruling family seems to have um, strong British accents and education in Oxford we know that Simon attended Oxford so there is this strong connection between the ruling family and Britain both historically and where they came from and currently Now, also, the ruling family seems to be a white British family, while the people of Aldovia are much more diverse ethnically and racially. So there does seem to be quite a large gap between the royal family and the people of Aldovia. Now, if we look at the history, of the political history of Aldovia, 600 years earlier, Aldovia was ruled by the House of Devon by someone named Prince Claude, who then died mysteriously, possibly poisoned in what is suspected to be a love triumph, between um prince claude and prince june and um someone named i believe jocelyn and after prince claude died the house of devon fell out of power now what probably happened here is that the Kingdom of aldovia sought out a british or at this time that time english relative of prince claude and brought that relative to aldovia to be the next king and this is why the charltons became the ruling family in aldovia Now, in 1419, we had very important, in the story of Prince Claude and Prince June, there was a treaty signed between the Kingdom of Aldovia and Pengla, And the reason behind this treaty was that the two kingdoms had been fighting over the Silk trade routes, the Silk Road trade routes. And now, this is kind of where we need to think a little bit about the differences between our universe and the Aldovian Netflix Christmas multiverse. So, let's look at Pengla. So Pengla there, where Penglai is situated in the f- 15th century, would have covered parts of the areas of the Khanate of the Golden Horde and in the southern tip, the Empire of Tamerlane or the Timurid Empire. Now, the Khanate of the Golden Horde was originally a Mongol Khanate, Genghis Khan, um, who conquered vast areas of land, then divided the Mongol Empire amongst his sons and Odegai Khan received what is what became the Khanate of the Golden Horde. Now, Odegaard Khan died early, and so this caused some conflict over inheritance. And from that point on, the Golden Horde kind of began dividing into small and smaller khanates. Now, in 1414, a ruler of the Golden Horde, Eregu lost control of the Golden Horde, lost his throne. And in this state of chaos in the Golden Horde, he tried to forge an alliance with Lithuania, which in the Aldova universe is the area of Belgravia, in fourteen thirteen, but this failed, and he died in conflict or a fight in fourteen nineteen, which is the exact year that this treaty was um, between Aldova and Penglia was signed. Now after Edigu died, the Khanate of the Golden Horde continued to disintegrate until it was no longer the continent of the Golden Horde. Now the Timurid Empire was also a Turkic Mongol Empire with who, from descendants from the Mongolians but that focused more different parts. So basically Panglai would have been the northernmost tip of the Timurid Empire. There have been a lot of discussions about where possibly these two universes could have divided and Samuel Wee argues that the division between our universe and the netflix universe might have taken place when odegai khan um did not die early so odegai khan originally died early and this caused a lot of conflict, right? So Samuel argues that he did not die early but continued to rule the Golden Horde and then his son and his grandson inherited and continued a strong government and rule in the Golden Horde down to the present day in Penglia and so the Mongols continued to rule Penglia and this is supported by when we look at the treaty we can see that the Penglian part seems to be written in what looks like Mongolian. Now also there seems to be a lot of Chinese influence in the Kingdom of Penglia and the theory of the universe splitting at Odeghay Khan not dying early um, can be supported by this, not just because of interactions with the trade route, but because Odogai son- Khan's sons participated in the invasion of Song China, so they did have connections with Song China um, and possibly influenced by that. Also, Odeghay Khan's brother Kublai Khan was the ruler of the Yuan Dynasty in China, so continuing um, with the lineage of Odogai Khan maybe would have connect- continued connections with China. Now if we turn to Aldovia uh, Aldovia at that time Would have been Consisted of the Kingdom of Hungary uh, As well as the uh, the uh, The Bulgarian Kingdom of Bulgaria And the Ottomans Now, the Bulgarian, I believe it's empire or kingdom, was actually still a tribute to the Mongols until 1318. And then in the 14th century, there was a lot of conflict between the Ottomans and the Balkans, the Serbian Ottoman Wars and then the um, Bulgarian Ottoman Wars. And as the Ottomans continued to expand into the Balkans. However, in 1402, the Timurid Empire also attacked the Ottomans on the other side and captured the Sultan, which led to chaos and civil war in the Ottoman Empire until 1413. So what I propose as the separation between universes is the treaty itself, as featured in The Christmas Prince 3. I'm suggesting that Edegu, so basically the ruler of the Golden Horde, um, instead of failing to form an alliance with Lithuania formed an alliance, or possibly his son, Prince Jun, formed an alliance with the Kingdom of Hungary, possibly Hungary. And because of this alliance between the Golden Horde and the Kingdom of Hungary, and then possibly a relationship between the Golden Horde and the Timurid Empire, the Timurids attacking the Ottomans at the same time as the Kingdom of Hungary and so perhaps the Ottomans were never able to take over the Balkans and therefore the Kingdom of Hungary was able to expand, take over the Balkans, become the Kingdom of Valdovia, and on the other side the ruler of the Golden Horde was able to reclaim his rule and solidify this as the Kingdom of Panglia down to the present day. I mean, if we look at the Kingdom of Panglia briefly again, we do say I've mentioned this this Chinese-esque influence. And I've been talking a lot about the possibilities of the Kingdom of Panglia being a Mongolian, um, a descendant of the Mongolian Empire, and how the treaty was signed in, seems to be in Mong- written in Mongolian. However, looking at the current fa- ruling family of Penglia, we see a lot more Chinese-esque influence than Mongolian influence. And we see this from, from names. Um, even originally, Prince Jun. Um, Jun could be a Chinese name, meaning um, king or ruler. And then the current ruling family, Queen Ming. Ming could also be a Chinese name, also Korean, um, meaning bright or clear. And she is clearly wearing a qipao or chonsam, which is a dress which is often seen as traditionally Chinese or conflicted with this idea of being traditionally Chinese, but was originally a Manchu garment and gained popularity in what is now China during the Qing dynasty when the Manchus took over China in 1636 or beginning in 1636. Now, the qipao that Queen Mina is wearing is a version which was created by women in Shanghai in the 1920s and 1930s. It was more, made more figure-hugging and had higher slits and shorter sleeves. So this suggests that there is continued connection, more, mo- a much more modern connection between Pengli and China, since she's wearing a dress which is just about a century old. And so the Chinese influence was not just early on from connections between within the Mongol Empire and the Silk Road, but that there is a continued um, connection. Interestingly, King Tai, Tai um, is a Chinese word, which... originally referred to the people of Thailand, who were an ethnic group in southern China, which actually the Mongols pushed down into what is the present day Thailand. Thai could also be an Arabic name referring to a local tribe. So in King Thai, we kind of maybe get a hint that there's much more ethnic diversity going on in Panglilu than at first meets the eye. All right, then um, let's just briefly mention religion in um, the Christmas Prince universe. So Aldovia is clearly a Christian Country, or at least has a tradition of being Christian because of their extreme emphasis on Christmas. Now, a lot of the Christmas traditions are not explicitly religious, so this is probably more of a Christian religious tradition than a really strong um, religious Christian practice in contemporary or current Aldovia. Now, in The Christmas Prince 2, we get a glimpse of the cathedral where um, King Richard and Amber are married, and this is not a catholic cathedral because there are no statues and no crucifix and also not an orthodox cathedral orthodox cathedrals have much more color and gold and paintings of of um, saints and important religious figures so it is neither these and these are the two religions which would, would have been prominent um catholicism in hungary and orthodox in romania so perhaps it is more of an anglican tradition and this would tie in with the family and their connection to england and english heritage pengla interestingly also seems to be christian from the fact that king tai sings hark the herald angels sing as his gift to queen amber now the other mention we get of religion or possible religion in the christmas prince um, movies is this the curse right in the christmas prince 3 and the um frequent assurances assurances that sorcery went out of favor centuries ago or was discredited centuries ago. And what I think this is a reference to is a reference to earlier religion or religious practices in the kingdom of Valdovia. Now we don't believe we know if the sorceress um, or the old crone she called was originally from the area of Valdovia or from Pinglia. but before, The Golden Horde, before Islam became the state religion of the Golden Horde in 1313, shamanism was a prominent religion in the Golden Horde. And one of the Khanates of the Golden Horde made Islam the state religion in 1313, but this was a kind of a top-down religion, a religion on the higher levels, the elites, the ruling family. So it is very probable that shamanism continued amongst the populace. Now, in in Hungary and in Romania, which the areas of what is Aldovia, there was a lot of religious conflict between Catholicism and Hungary, and Orthodox religions in Romania, and then later on, Lutheranism when, when the Germans came in. So, there's a lot of religious conflicts. What I think sorcery is referencing is a previous religion that was still prominent at the time the treaty was signed in 1419, but has since been discredited by the current religions of either Penglia or Aldovia. So, perhaps this is a Christian reference to non Christian religions or different. Um, types of Christian earlier Christian practices. So that is all I want. To, um, I want to cover a lot more, but that's all I'm going to talk about today. And I hope that can um, add a lot to the discussions about the Christmas Prince and the Netflix Christmas Multiverse. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> so there are really heavy uh, bits in this film. Like there's also the bit where. Uh, they are, the royal family are opening lovely Christmas letters from their underlings. And some of them are lovely and like, oh, we can't wait for the royal wedding. And some of them are like, I'm living in deep poverty. And it's all thanks to you, the royal family and your work scheme. We hate you. We want to behead you. We're, <laughs> we're preparing the guillotine right now. Death to you all. Christmas Prince to you, Viva La Revolution. The, the royal family have tried to help situation by calling in some previous MP Sir Leopold mm-hmm. and they, they keep on being like Leopold's great he's gonna fix the economy and they keep saying that they just keep saying that and also meanwhile Simon's come back he's a bit disheveled he's had like a tough year and everyone's like Simon's come to stir up trouble and Simon says no I I have a good knowledge of economics I'm here to help you solve this problem and everyone's like, I think Simon might be ruining the economy. But instead of investigating this, they're like, oh, it's been a tough time. Let's all go sledding. (laughs) Let's
1: all get some hot cocoa and sit around and talk shit about Simon. But not (laughs) investigate him in any way. And when they're talking shit about him, it's like a Netflix
0: family movie. So they're they're being like, Simon, he's so sneaky and silly. (laughs) But they've got the venom of being like, this fucking guy.
1: (laughs) And as you may have intuited from even the little pieces of information that we have given you, dear listener, the baddie all along was Sir Leopold. Yes, well, there's been a a whole, like... Because after a while, Amber gets sick
0: of wedding planning and decides to be an investigative journalist by (laughs) going to a bar to talk to the man who wrote the sad letter. Mm -hmm. And he mentions some block and spiel industry or whatever He's, he's... Something about them taking money. And then, all of a sudden, Princess Emily, who we've never heard of having the skill before, reveals herself to be a master hacker. (laughs) Masterful enough to hack into the Bank of Aldovia? It's the National Archives. To see where the money's gone. Yeah. And it was Sir Leopold who did it. And not Simon at all. Now, at this point, like, I think... I think two-thirds plus of this movie are dedicated to this uh the whole economic situation there's like long drawn out scenes where all the unions have ganged up to close down the theater where emily's meant to be doing like a school play that's basically like christmas shrek (laughs) (laughs) and uh that's a very dramatic scene you see the
1: union come with like a massive big chain and just like chain up the theatre. It does have a bit of the vibe of Fox Robin Hood where they're like, the real villain is taxes. I don't <laughs> think that's true.
0: <laughs> yeah, but then it sort of switches and it's like, the unions were right. Something is wrong in this country.
1: Yeah. And it's,
0: it's Leopold draining the economy. And, and then yeah, Simon's vindicated. And you're like, wait, I thought this movie was about a wedding. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, and then kind of at the end, they tack on the wedding. Yeah. And Amber, who's been upset about this dress that's been designed for her throughout the entire movie. By the best
0: character, apart from Simon, Sahil, the fashion designer slash wedding planner. Yeah. Slash maybe expert on cakes.
1: And that's just this movie alone. Yeah, He's, yeah, he's got plans for the wedding and Amber doesn't like them because she's down to earth and not fancy. But I don't know, it seems
0: like he's going to throw a great party. I know, I trust Sahil. Also, Sahil being the only other gay character in this movie obviously ends up with uh, Amber's gay friend. Yeah. The, The two gays must meet.
1: They do meet and they sort of just sort of flashing forward to the, the third movie, because I think this is relevant here, is it's not very clear that they're, like, together together. Like, they keep sort of pushing it off as, like, their business partners. Oh, their business partners who share a room. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Netflix
0: are being weird about it, and it's yeah. like, Netflix. It's like, don't be this way. Netflix, you've done gay things before. Yeah. Why? It's because, do you reckon the, now this is interesting... Do you reckon the Hallmark Christmas movie in just... No, I'm talking Hallmark, not Netflix here. But do you reckon the Hallmark Christmas movie viewership is predominantly conservative, or do you reckon it has a bit of a... Like, is it, is it like a cross-political appeal? Are they are Netflix worried about upsetting the conservatives who are watching The Christmas Prince 2?
1: It is. I mean, it's possible. I don't know. They the Hallmark, in general, makes these movies just in batches. Yeah, constantly in small towns outside of Vancouver,
0: predominantly. Yes, I've definitely seen these get filmed in Vancouver, like all the fakes, snow on the streets, yeah, and they're like yeah. roasting chestnuts.
1: It's hard to tell who the target demographic is for these. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I guess they are Christmas movies, so it's like a at least vaguely Christian audience they're going for. Yeah, I watch these
0: movies ironically, mm. only ever ironically, and I sort of just live in this this. This academic liberal elite bubble where I assume everyone watches them, ironically. But is that the case? I just don't know. Everyone watches them knowing they're
1: bad, right? I mean, yeah. My father watches them, but he tends to turn them on and then fall asleep and then wake up for the ending. Which I think is, is fairly common. You kind of put them on in the background, you bake cookies, you know. Yeah. You live your life, tune back in for the ending.
0: No, you watch it and you scrutinize every detail. You question all the angles. Yeah. You try and figure out which country the movie is set in.
1: But figure out the economic crisis in Aldovia. Yeah.
0: This is... My mum watches them and I think she watches them and she likes to take off all the tropes. It's Mm -hmm. like, ah, meet cute Mm -hmm. in a cafe, long lost friend from home, Uh, businesswoman um someone in town is trying to like set up a chain cafe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh what else is there's, there's an old man who's probably father Christmas who keeps winking at the woman there's like maybe one gay per movie but they're never the main character
1: and they're never like explicitly gay they just seem gay. They just camp. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's just gay-coded them and then just left it at that. And that's what's happened in Christmas Prince, too. Yeah. It's just they've gotten together, but they haven't, you know? Yeah. Amber's friend and Sahil. Uh, Sahil, who I love, and I think Amber should have just gone with the wedding that he planned. It would have been a much- because the one she does have is very drab. Like,
0: I, with my limited resources, could probably plan a better wedding than that.
1: Yeah, there's some fairy lights, and then she has a dress that looks... Like, I don't want to shame anyone's wedding dress, but it's bad. Yeah. It also just... It looks deflated.
0: She looks deflated. Yeah. I felt deflated. Mm -hmm. She should have gone with Sahil. So, when I watched this movie... The reason I watched The Christmas Prince 1 and 2 was I was in Vancouver, it was just before I went home for Christmas, and in college there weren't many people around. So I had um, put on Muppets Christmas Carol, which is the only good film that was ever made. Yeah. The only good film ever. Yeah. And I invited people in to watch. And pe- the people who'd come in had never seen it before, and they were like, what the heck is this? What the heck is this? And I was like, what is Muppets Christmas Carol? The best movie ever made. Yeah. And then, because we were feeling jolly afterwards, because you do... Stuck on the Christmas Prince, were like, this is shit. And then stuck on the- And then the Christmas Prince 2 just played automatically afterwards. And the intrigue. The political intrigue. And just the, charis, the charisma of Simon, basically. <laughs> that just pulled us into this strange, mesmerized state. That we created a group chat and just like... We kept it going, you're in it now. Yep, shout out to the Christmas Prince group chat and theorized and theorized and it just became you know when something gets in your head and you can't stop thinking about it that was a christmas prince and anyway so then i went home for christmas just thinking the whole way back home about the christmas prince movies i went to see a show in stratford the royal shakespeare company and who was in the play sahil sahil was in it it wasn't a shakespeare it was tartuffe which is by that, um, Mollier? I think it's by Mollier. And it was like a modern retelling. Sahil was in it, and guys, he's a good actor in real life. He toned it down in The Christmas Prince, but... (laughs) 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 Christmas Prince 3, this is where the action
1: really happens. Amber is pregnant. And also there's a treaty that has to be signed. Between Eldovia and the
0: kingdom of Panglia. If they don't sign it by Christmas, their countries technically have to
1: go back to war. Yeah, midnight and Christmas. These two countries, (laughs) neither of which has a standing army, have to go back to war. Um, (laughs) And they're. Like, they explicitly (laughs) say that neither of them has a standing army and are still, like, extremely concerned about signing the treaty by midnight on Christmas. (laughs) Uh, Amber's been told not to be stressed out by her doctor. And therefore spends the entire movie in a state of high stress about everything. (laughs) Um, Inevitably, uh, the, um,
0: the treaty gets stolen. Yeah. And the the culprit has to be in the in the palace because there's been a snowstorm apparently so intense, but not so intense that it looks that way from the outside. Yeah. I mean cars can come in and out of the building and staff can. Yeah. But other than that, no one can move in and out. So the culprit must be in the palace. Yeah,
1: they try very hard to do a locked room mystery, but just like don't think it through all the way, because it does take place over several days. And we see the snow on sort of day one, and then days two and three, there are people walking out in the grounds, and it's not snowing, and they're still (laughs) acting like the thief could not have left the grounds. Yeah. Because initially, the night it was stolen, it was snowing. Yeah, they fully go
0: out on a horse and carriage. The whole lot of them go sledding in the interim. Yeah,
1: yeah. And
0: and also, even though they're very stressed out about someone wanting to bring the cu- countries back into a state of war, which is a bad thing to do, they keep on distracting themselves by having, like, let's play a game of Put the Thing on the Tree, mm-hmm. the classic Aldovian game for Christmas, where we yeah. a- do trivia.
1: Trivia about
0: Aldovia. Which is they... not very welcoming to the penguins.
1: Yeah, that they <laughs> play with the, the ambassador from... Anglia. To be like, yeah, do trivia about this country you're visiting.
0: (laughs) Of course everyone suspects Simon for no
1: reason. At at all. And then they briefly suspect Sahil because he said that the treaty was tacky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: Amber goes and searches for all Sahil's stuff and then his boyfriend comes in and was like, I just thought it was Sahil. Sorry. And the boyfriend's like, that's fair. He did call it tacky. Can you write a? Uh, could you write an, an investigative journalism piece on how good our company is? <laughs> Which is like great. I will. Plot point resolved. Yeah. Sahil is now also a graphic designer because he wants to redesign the look of the treaty. Yeah. As well as being a baby shower planner. Yeah, and, and a wedding planner. And a wedding. He's got this general events industry. He's the most talented man in Aldovia. Yeah,
1: long lives to heel, the true Christmas prince. He's the only one with a job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. There's also a, a, a suspected adultery plotline, which is ridiculous and offensive, because Simon's Simon's university friend, Lynn, is the royal family like secretary. What's the they right call name? her
1: their attaché? Yeah but that doesn't really mean anything I don't she's like yeah. a fancy assistant and
0: yeah. like sees Simon is like Simon oh we were friends at school mm-hmm. nice to see you again and Simon's girlfriend based on not much at all is like he's talking to another woman men and women can't be friends mm-hmm. and Amber's like it's because he's probably cheating on you because he's a sneaky sneaky Simon so that's frustrating turns out he was just being sneaky the whole time or, like, talking to this woman a lot, A, because they were trying to figure out some sort of economic plan to help boost the eco- uh, economies of both Altovia and Panglir, so doing nothing but good for the countries. Mm-hmm. And secondly, he was trying to pick out a ring to propose to the friend, and the friend was like, oops, sorry. Melissa. Melissa. Is her name. Hey that
1: Yeah, she is... She, this is the only thing Melissa gets to do in any of the three movies. Is be inexplicably jealous. Of Simon <laughs> having a friend. Um, they do get engaged in this movie in an incredibly weird scene where Amber has already gone into labor. And then Melissa decides in this room full of people, including Amber, whose water has broken, to confront Simon about being the way that he has been being. And then he's like, no, I was doing an economic plan in the most suspicious way possible. And also (laughs) this ring in also an equally suspicious way. And then he gets down on one knee and proposes to her while Amber is standing there having contractions.
0: (laughs) We've not even
1: gotten to the two
0: things I like the most about this movie. Number one, the dog. Yes. There's no... Actual, there are no detectives in Aldovia. The, the, it's first of all, it's the the, the staff in the palace yeah. who are doing the investigating. They're going around. They're being like, we checked behind all the curtains. We could not find the treaty, and then they're like, but don't worry, because we have a dog. We have the dog to come and sniff out the treaty. And they've, they mentioned this dog like I'm not kidding like thirty times in the movie, <laughs> being like, don't worry, the dog will sniff it out. Once the dog's here, the dog will find the treaty. Let's go out into the Christmas market while the dog does its work. I'm so sorry, the dog has failed. <laughs> and everyone's like shaking their heads like, no, the <laughs> not, dog's a failure.
1: Not the dog, the only one we have. Who never gets a name? <laughs> He's a good boy. He's one of the two huskies <laughs> that
0: live in the forest and he was mistaken for a wolf. <laughs> and then my second favorite part of this movie, the curse.
1: Yes, the curse. This is sort of related to the treaty, that if the treaty isn't signed by midnight, the firstborn child of the king will be cursed. Yes. And that would be Amber's baby. And Princess Emily, who is at this point, I think, probably 13, is freaked by this. Yeah, she's told it by multiple people, don't tell
0: Amber because it's going to make her stressed. And as we know, Amber's an idiot, so she will believe it. And then immediately, Emily tells Amber. And then Amber's like, oh, we need to sort this out by midnight because of the curse. Not because our two countries will inexplicably
1: be at war. <laughs> uh,
0: at one point, um, the Queen and uh, Emily go down into the dungeons to see if the treaty's in the dungeons. And they get locked in. Yeah. And Emily's like, it's a ghost. It's the, the ghost as magic to us in the dungeon and the queen keeps on being like oh Emily, Emily, Emily sorcery fell out of favor in Aldovia centuries ago <laughs>
1: what? She is. she acts like sorcery is something that people do but it's rude to discuss it fell out of favor a long time ago sorcery is unfashionable Emily no one would lock us in here with sorcery <laughs> <laughs> She's sort of a mix between King Uther from the TV show Merlin, yeah. and all the magicians from the book Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. I'll take you where for it. magic is is just it's not fashionable, but like it is a thing that people can do. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> it just fell out of favor
0: centuries mm. ago. So mo- most characters in this movie do think the curse will happen. And it turns out to have been some member of staff who I guess has a name for some really silly reason, like it's in his bloodline to mess with this treaty. He didn't want to, but it's an oath, He's a blood oath.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but he hasn't done it up till now. Yes, and just in
0: the nick of time, the treaty is found he brings it back i don't know
1: um the it's it's in the crypt with emily and the queen it's hidden uh, ah
0: yes because he put it there deliberately and then and he barred the dog from going into the dungeon that was mentioned they had to mention it in, in explanation yeah. it's like because we otherwise we'd be like how did the dog not sniff the treaty the treaty sniffing
1: dog. That's his job. He had one job he had and he one failed. Job. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So Emily and and the Queen find it inside a tomb, and yeah. So the this this member of staff had had also made up the stories of the ghost down there to to keep people away. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they return the treaty and then everyone signs it, including Amber and the Queen of Panglia. Because that's sort of a weird thread. Be- oh, because this. feminism. Because feminism is is royalty, I guess. And
0: Amber, who's a woke queen from New York, teaches the Penglians. She teaches them how to be woke. Yes, she Cause does. Because they didn't know before, and the queen of Pengli was doing all this work but not getting credit. But actually, all they needed was an American to teach them feminism.
1: And that's the moral of the story. There's <laughs> learned feminism from the white American. <laughs> I really love
0: how each of these movies... It starts off very stupid rom-com style. And each movie adds another layer of, like, very poorly written political and in- geopolitical intrigue. Yeah. That, like, if you sat down and mapped it all out, would not make sense. But they're deadly serious about it. <laughs> and what I love about the first... About, sorry, about the second and third movie is that, like, the wedding and the baby, respectively... Really, not important to the plot.
1: Yeah, the really only bit of the plot involving the baby is when Amber goes into labor and then Richard and the King of Panglia build a crib together and then it immediately falls apart. And they're like, ah, oh, fatherhood. Yeah. Fatherhood and kinghood. What a mix. <laughs> <laughs> And it's true, like, they, they start with sort of a rom com plot, like, we're having a baby, and then that immediately gets sidelined. And that's what I love about these movies.
0: It's like, what are you gonna get next? I really want there to be a fourth one, because I just want to learn more about this nonsense country, Aldovia, which is, like, completely politically run by... The royal family. But has a prime minister who they mention in the first movie. So what does the prime minister even do? What's their job? Not much. They train the dog. They tra- the prime minister owns the dog. <laughs> That's what happens. We don't know where it... Because, it, like, it's filmed in Romania. So it's got some Eastern European stylings of, of, of architecture. Um, the family name is British and they all sound british they all went to oxford but that's no guarantee that they are
1: mm-hmm.
0: um they they just it just doesn't add up there's just loads of basically the in the interior of this palace and like families that they mention relating to uh the royal family itself suggest just anywhere in europe and also some middle eastern places mm-hmm. and it's like they've are they are they deliberately obscuring the place to make it seem super? F- I don't know because it's like all of these fake place names in these movies sound like other countries. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like we'll talk about this in another episode. But in Princess Switch, we've got Montenaro, mm-hmm. sounds like Montenegro. Mm-hmm. Aldovia sounds like at least five different European countries: <laughs> Albania and whatever Moldova. Yeah. And it's not like Albania
1: or Moldova. Mm -hmm. And it's not really like Romania either, except for architecture. No. And, yeah, I think it's also interesting because, like, the movies are centered around Christmas as a holiday, but almost completely secularized. Yeah. Like, they don't seem to be Christian. But no. Christmas is the only holiday anyone celebrates. Like they get married in a church, but that's all we
0: see. Of they sing once in Royal David City while playing the piano badly. Mm. That's a that's a God song. That's a Christian. They do God sing song.
1: Christmas carols, yeah. But
0: that's not like any guarantee of mm-hmm. you know. That's just mm-hmm. generally in Western Europe, at least like a lot of people do Christmas who aren't Christians. Yeah. Like my family included. And you might sing the occasional Christmas carol because it's just a cultural thing that you do. Mm-hmm. It seems to be the case with the royal family in Aldovia too, which I don't think is necessarily true of like European royal families. I think they have to at least put on a facade of being Christian generally. Mm-hmm. Like the the royal family in the UK, they do a lot of God stuff, even though they're not super... It's not sec- It's not as secular as the Aldovians. Yeah, and... This is what makes this series of movies a cut above the
1: rest, because it really makes you think. It makes you think, what the hell is going on? And it makes you think that repeatedly for several <laughs> hours. Oh. <laughs>
0: Shannon, do you think the Christmas Prince series is cursed, blessed, or blessed?
1: I think as a, as a series, I'm going to give it a blurst because I got some entertainment out of it. Most of the entertainment being trying to figure out what the political and economic structure of this fictional country yeah. was. Um, what anyone's motivation was, especially the king who died before the movie started. I think I'm going to give it a blurst.
0: Yes, I, I think on, on balance, the three average together are a blurst. I'm going to give the first one a really low blurst, because it's quite boring, but it's still fairly enjoyable, so it's not boring enough to be accursed. Nothing that wild happens. The third one is a very solid blurst. <laughs> like, that's a fun blurst. Mm-hmm. It's it's dodgy in parts, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a dodgy movie, but I was engaged. The intrigue in this movie is high. I, and this is controversial... And you're gonna disagree with me, and you already know what I'm gonna say. I know
1: what you're gonna say. Number
0: two is a blessed movie. It's no. just
1: perfectly crafted. No, it the is not. intrigue that you never know, it keeps <laughs> you on your toes. I think the movie can be a high blurst. It is, I think, the the quintessential blurst film. <laughs> I think for it to be blessed, it would have to be better. <laughs>
0: You weren't there that time at Green College when we watched The Muppets Christmas Carol, and then one, and then two. The Muppets two.
1: Christmas Carol, the only truly blessed film. In no, existence. it's not the only
0: truly blessed film. It's the it's it's the holy blessed. It's the ultra blessed. It's the blessed squared. It's it's blessed to the power of power of blessed. It's King blessed, but it's not the only blessed movie. <laughs> Lest you forget, it chapter two. <laughs> How soon we forget, Shannon. (laughs) We've been out of Halloween month, what, like three weeks? And you forget the best movie ever made apart from Muppets Christmas Carol. (laughs) It Chapter 2. And Jumanji Welcome to the (laughs) Jungle. Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. (laughs) If I can give... I got the same level of joy from Jumanji
1: Welcome to the Jungle as I did from Christmas Prince to... A royal Wedding. Mm, I think my joy in Christmas Prince 2 Royal Wedding was heavily mixed with exasperation. Uh, so it's a solid blurst for me. It's definitely the most enjoyable of the three. Um, and I think it, it hovers at a blurst because the reason I enjoyed it is because it's ridiculous. And the third has a lot of that in it as well.
0: But, but I think it's
1: also dodgy, which drifts it lower for me. And
0: the third one, you're not surprised; you don't expect the intrigue. But the second one, you're expecting more relationship bullshit. But it's mostly a, a harrowing tale of political and economic recession and and money laundering mm-hmm. and and deceit and family betrayal of Simon and embezzlement
1: and glockenspiels and hacking. <laughs> it's a tech. It's a tech thriller. <laughs> It's it's not a blessed film. I think you're misleading our audience. I think our audience knows what's up. If
0: they're listening to Cursed Or Blessed, they're probably the sort of people that are gonna really, really fucking love Christmas Prince too. <laughs> <laughs> is this our first major disagreement on this podcast? I think it is. No, it was cats. Oh yeah, it was
1: cats. Well, I'm willing I'm willing to to dig my heels in on this just like I was with cats.
0: And I feel like we need to have a bit of a flip-flop anyway because, like, it's
1: Christmas time now. Halloween's dead. (laughs) Halloween is cancelled. It's Christmas now.
0: We still have our little um, pumpkin bride on the wall.
1: Yeah. But as we know, we still have our Christmas tree up from last Christmas that we didn't take down. Yes, our Christmas tree that's 30 centimeters tall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, if you enjoyed
0: this episode... Hold on to your socks, because it's,
1: uh, there's more there's Netflix more. multiverse merriment coming up. Yeah, we haven't quite finished with the Netflix Christmas movies yet, because...
0: You're gonna have an absolute mare on this next one, aren't oh you, Shannon? Oh my god. I've never seen you more angry at a set of movies <laughs> in my entire life, I'm not even kidding. You weren't even this mad with cats.
1: Yeah, this is, these next set have put me in a way... So and we are like, not even done watching them. No, we've still got more to go. What are we doing? We're doing the Netflix Christmas multiverse. I'm talking Night Before Christmas, Night with a K, Princess Switch 1 and 2. I'm talking Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, which I we don't haven't wait watched to yet. Watch it. <laughs> and uh all movies that take place in the
0: same actual universe. Yeah. Also the same one as *A Christmas Prince*, but they deserve their own standalone set because mm-hmm. they're a cultural thing, <gasps> phenom. So yeah, that, that's that's hopefully wetting your appetite. Ho ho ho. To my ho ho homies. <laughs> Catches on the internet, where we live.